welcome to this BGSM podcast. My name is Stefan Griffin. I'm a junior doctor in London and a member of the BGSM editorial team. Can I ask you to introduce yourself to the listeners, please? So we'll start with you, Simon, if that's okay. I'm Dr. Simon Kemp. I'm the medical director for the Rugby Football Union and have been working um, in the field of concussion identification, management and prevention for a number of years now. And I'm Dr. Patrick O'Halloran. I'm a sports medicine registrar in the UK and a researcher with Marker. Perfect. Let's get cracking then. So starting with you again, Simon, as you've mentioned, you've been involved in rugby medicine for a while now. Um, Can you tell us about how the recognition of concussion has evolved over the last few years? Um, So, Stefan, we'll concentrate on the elite game first, but really it's been transformed since the introduction of the pitchside concussion assessment, now known as the head injury assessment in 2012. And what we've seen since that introduction in 2012 is um, the evolution of the head injury assessment process. So we now have a very tight definition of concussion. We have three time points at which you assess. We have a fixed in-game assessment at 12 minutes. And we support this now with video and independent match day doctors and video reviewers to give us really a very tight framework in which we can identify possible concussion, confirm concussion um, at the various time points. How do objective markers and assessments play a role in this? Is it a clinical, quite a subjective assessment or are there objective assessments as part of this protocol? Um, So Stefan, that's a that's a great question. So I guess one of the one of the, the general criticisms of of all the um, assessments for concussion at the moment is that they rely on subjective assessment, principally around the assessment of symptoms. Um, and w- we know that to get good results, you need the player to be honest and cooperative. Um, you need the operator to be trained, and you need good test conditions. So. In theory, we have this issue of subjectivity. In practice, we actually believe that within the head injury assessment framework, the process works very well. Nonetheless, we would like to move to a more objective set of assessments. And also critically, I think, Stefan, we'd like to have some insight into the biological processes that are um, being sustained by an athlete. Patrick, I'm going to bring you in now, if that's okay, to maybe talk about the objective markers that are used in the assessment of concussion. And I wonder if we can use that to then segue into the study that's recently been published in BGSM. Yes, thanks, Stefan. So in terms of objective markers, it's an area which a lot of groups are looking at um, for for the reasons that Simon was outlining there. Um, In terms of the current assessment we're we're sort of assessing based around symptoms symptoms and signs of the injury um, and having something which is underpinned by the biology of the injury more directly would be really useful in terms of the recognition um, and the management of concussion so that we can do that perhaps more consistently um, between different settings where there may be more or less medical input to, to kind of do it. So that's the the sort of primary reason for for a lot of research going on to try and and look into this. 
that and also the fact that identifying biology of the injury more um, closely could help in terms of management strategies and, and monitoring of recovery as well. And so some of the listeners will be familiar with uh, groups who are looking at research in that area, perhaps looking at protein biomarkers um, in blood. That's been a really hot area of investigation, uh, but also things like um, MRI uh, and EEG modalities are other um, objective biomarkers that, that groups are investigating to try and get to the bottom of that. There are some issues with with, um, using those other technologies, though. So blood, for example, is not brilliant, especially in the setting of community sport, uh, in terms of its acceptability to practitioners and and to patients. And likewise, maybe with things like MRI, where there's a big cost to that and a a wait in order to get that, it's not practically been able to to, um, translate out into wider use. So our group, our study, was looking at salivary markers of concussion, um, which we think could be really exciting because they are non-invasive and because they can be sampled so quickly and easily. Um, They're perhaps primed and ready to to kind of translate out into the wider world, not just in elite sport, but in community sport as well. We'll leave the the deep details of the study to listeners to pick up on. The the paper is open access, which always Uh, which always helps. But what did you do in this study, Patrick? What were the protocols you followed and what were were some of the main take-home points? So we were looking to try and identify salivary markers of concussion in a group of male uh, professional rugby players. The particular salivary markers we were looking for were small non-coding RNAs and micro RNAs. And that may not be immediately familiar to to everybody. So I'll just explain, those are a category of cell-to-cell signaling molecules. Um, So the simplest way of explaining it is, if you imagine you've got your DNA, which holds the kind of recipe for making a protein, and in between, messenger RNA kind of reads out the list of instructions to put it all together, small non-coding RNAs get involved in that uh, process uh, between the messenger RNA and the protein production. And usually their function is to stop the the expression of a gene in that way. So they're really important in a whole load of different processes to give a kind of subtle fine tuning effect on on gene expression. So that's a a bit of background on on what what they are and what we were looking for. How we did it, uh, we worked with the um, English Premiership and the English Championship to recruit players at baseline before the season started, and then to sample them alongside the head injury assessment process. And so that's one of the real strengths of our study, uh, was that we were able to, number one, sample players before the time of their injury, and number two, do it alongside uh, a very um, well-documented and uh, consistent method of concussion diagnosis, the, the head injury assessment process. And so we sought to collect samples from players going through that process who were diagnosed with concussion, players who went through that process and concussion was ruled out, as well as uh, players who didn't have a head injury assessment but played the match as normal, and players who suffered a musculoskeletal injury during the game. And that was one of the real strengths of our study also, uh, that we ended up being able to look in some detail at our control groups. And we wound up having a group of people who 
all entered the process possibly having sustained a concussion and then were split into a group who definitely did uh, and who were conclusively kind of ruled out from having a concussion. And that's relatively rare in biomarker research. Often you'll find a, a group of confirmed concussions being compared to an uninjured control group, which maybe isn't the, the test that you would use in life. So our take-home findings, um, over our first season, we were able to uh, get a, a training set of data to identify a panel of 14 um, small non-coding RNAs that would diagnose concussion uh, with a high degree of accuracy. And then in our second season of data collection, we were able to validate that on a testing set uh, and show that, that that model held up um, and was able to separate those people who'd been assessed and found to have concussion and those people who'd been assessed and found not to have concussion with an area under the curve of about 0.94, which was really exciting. Um, I think it's important to recognise the um, contribution made by the medical staff and the um, and the conditioning staff at the Premiership and Championship clubs here. So, um, you know, we know how big their workloads are um, and they... Um, willingly participated in this study, um, collecting samples, working with the researchers, and, and managing to do um, welfare-related research in a performance environment, which is a really difficult thing to do. So I think you know it's it's incredibly important we acknowledge the efforts um, of the you know the voluntary efforts of the medics in in working with this study and also of the players. Is this the first step potentially of? a protocol, a device, um, or a test where people who play rugby, who play contact sports on the weekend can then pop to the local pharmacy to get a test. Is that where you see this going or do you see it just being something offered to elite sportsmen and women? No, I think that the, the wider implications of this are probably where we will see the biggest step forwards in terms of safety. So our reason for working to develop the test in this setting is pretty clear. In order to, to find um, markers of concussion, we need to be very certain that we're looking at groups of people who have concussion and, and groups of people who don't. And so this setting gives us exactly that, which is fantastic. But the people who could perhaps get the most benefit from this are people playing community sports um, on the weekends uh, where there aren't medical professionals, where there, there isn't sort of video replay and all of those things that help to make uh, to facilitate rather concussion diagnosis in the elite game. And so our intention um, is to move towards a, a test which is available to help people in that way so that you would take your swab, um, send it off in the post to a, a registered laboratory who would then provide you with a, a result back. Um, direct to you within about sort of 24 hours. So that's what we're working towards. Um, we know that in female athletes and in women's sport, we, we need to um, kind of ramp things up and, and work with that population to replicate the work we've done in the men, uh, as that's the, the sort of group that we've worked with most so far. So in terms of female athletes, junior athletes, those different populations, we're working now to um, try and answer that question. We have a couple of studies underway to, to try and help us get there. I, I think it's important to, to recognise just how sophisticated the um, head injury assessment is. So, you know, it, it, it combines video recordings of observable signs at the time of the head impact, 
with assessments of symptoms, balance and cognition done by an experienced clinician at the time of injury, 24 hours later and 36 hours later. Um, so that's simply something that you can't replicate on a large scale. So one of the hopes here is that the salivary biomarkers might effectively be a proxy for that package of assessments that we could use in the community game, but not only in rugby, across all sports and potentially within the healthcare and military settings, because what we've got here for the first time is a unique biomarker signal of confirmed um, and possible concussion with an area under the curve that matches incredibly well to the head injury assessment process. So with further data from elite women, age group athletes, and then the ability to upscale the tests, there is the ability here to provide a biomarker assessment for community rugby players from a sample potentially taken the evening of the game or the next morning to give them a definitive answer as to whether they've been concussed or not within 24 hours, which when you think about the consequences of the time to return to play, to return to work, to return to learn, being confident in your diagnosis, which is we know is one of the real challenges in the community game, because we have so many athletes with suspected concussion that we're managing, would be a huge advance. Simon, I'm just going to ask you, maybe this is a slightly personal question, where does this sit in terms of your, in terms of the research projects you've been involved with? Um, so, so this is a piece of work that I think everybody who's been involved in should be very proud of. Um, you know, elite sport needs to strategically think about which areas it collaborates in. And four or five years ago, we felt that the three key areas for elite rugby were a better understanding around recognition of concussion, more insights into the physiology of recovery, and then research into the medium and long-term consequences. Um, so, so, so this study um, was a study of real strategic importance because it is a landmark discovery around recognition. Um, the researchers and, and us believe that there is further mileage in using salivary biomarkers to look at the time course of recovery. So I think there are some insights there. But, um, you know, a, a, along with the introduction of the head injury assessment, the science of validation of Activate, this absolutely stands up there as a project that, that everybody should be very proud of because it, it has such translational potential. You know, if, if, if these findings um, can be refined and we can produce a, a test that's not a research test, but a real world test, and during COVID we've seen just how, how the technology of test production has been accelerated, then we have some science here that may have a real translational outcome. I think that's a lovely note to end this podcast on. Well, thank you both uh, for your time this morning. What we'll do is we will make sure that the links to the paper um, and also any kind of other relevant information are in the blurb to the podcast. And I know that people can find you both on social media as well. So a huge thanks for your time this morning and congratulations again on, on such an outstanding paper. Thank you.